Are you always hiring the perfect candidate or are you focusing on the best fit? Yes, there's a difference. And today you'll discover a new perspective on finding the right person for your team. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 167. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you've decided to tune in today for another conversation about how to get the best out of others and of yourself. And today, a conversation that I know is going to be of value to so many people in the Coaching for Leaders community, which is how to hire the best fit, but not necessarily to hire the perfect fit, which is what a lot of us have been taught to do as leaders. And I am uh, glad to welcome to the show someone I've just recently been introduced to who I know is going to help us with a lot of perspective on this topic, and that person is Kelly Studer. Kelly is a career stylist, and she helps people get out of their career rut so they can achieve fulfillment and create more aliveness at work. And she's had 15 years of recruitment and leadership experience in a lot of the technology and consulting organizations you've heard of, Google, Salesforce.com, Sapient, and Accenture. She's reviewed thousands of resumes, conducted hundreds of interviews, and she's negotiated offers for some of the toughest companies to get hired at. And so I'm really glad that not only uh, does she have a lot of wisdom on this, but a lot of practical experience too. Kelly, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I'm excited to be here. Well, I thought maybe we'd start with just telling people a little bit about what you do and then uh, and then maybe looking at from a manager standpoint, what are the kinds of things we should be considering about when thinking about who we're going to hire? But, but tell us first about your work and what kind of work you do for people. So as a career stylist, I, I work with individuals to really help them get unstuck in their careers. And a lot of people who come to me are either not feeling very fulfilled or they're not engaged, they're not doing their best work, and they know they have so much more to offer, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do they want to transition into, and how can they bring their talents and their skills and all of these amazing things about them into what they're doing and feel like they're really making a difference, like creating some kind of impact that matters to them. So they want to get out of bed every morning and go to work, um, like most of us want to do. So yeah, I work with a lot of people who, um, when they first come to me, are you know, not super happy in their careers, um, but they still have so much left to offer, and I really get them out of that sort of um, numbness and sort of being asleep in their career and really help um, them discover more about themselves, figure out what they want to do, and help them get it. You know, it's interesting you say that because I, you and I had talked uh, earlier about uh, this uh, show I had listened to recently from HBR IdeaCast on, it was uh, an interview about the hiring practices at Google, and I know you've worked at Google before, um, and they were talking about just how a lot of the kind of the standard out there is to be 
uh, for a lot of people is to be bored or, or even mediocre at work. And that, you know, that's that's kind of where we want to get away from if we're not only that person who's looking for the role, but when we're thinking about who to bring in is we don't just want to bring in someone who's going to be, you know, ho-hum, I, uh, but to really think of like, what's going to be the best fit for our organization? Yeah, one thing that I have thought a lot about and having been um, a manager myself and having hired for my own team and managed a team and then being on the recruiting side and and trying to find talent for for different companies, one thing that I noticed is that sometimes people will get into a job that just really doesn't bring out their natural gifts and talents and and they may also not be passionate about it and they end up in the like low performer category and it's almost as if I see these people get written off as low performers, like that's the label that's been slapped on them. And what I believe is that everybody could be a low performer and a high performer. It's just about being like really putting yourself in the right spot to bring out your talents and to really tap into something you care about. That's when you can absolutely be a high performer. And it's, I think in the hiring process, it's finding the people that are going to be able to really be on that high-performing side and not the low-performing side, but we can all end up in both of those categories. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think one of the, you have this great article that I'm going to link to on your website, and I'll put in the show notes as well for folks, and it's called the 70% principle for hiring or for the perfect hiring fit. And, you know, it it's interesting because one of the things that I think a lot of managers tend to do is they look for that perfect fit person and they and they do everything possible to find the person who's the exact perfect fit fit for the position. And I'm wondering if maybe you could just help play that out for us a little bit. I know you do this in the article, but of just like what what tends to happen when we approach the hiring process like that from a manager standpoint and and how that plays out long term. When we when we focus on trying to find someone who's 100% qualified or maybe even 90%, like really qualified for the job, I, I liken it to holding like a talented kid back a grade in school and having them repeat it. So if you are looking for somebody who has um, already done that job before, they're most likely going to be bored and unengaged and not their highest performing self within probably about six months. So when that newness of the job and the environment starts to wear off, if they already are kind of like a master at it and 100% qualified, they're going to be looking for what's next. Like, what's the next challenge? What's the stretch? And for managers, that becomes a bit of a hiring headache and a nightmare because that person's already like, okay, now what? You know, when can I get promoted? When can I take on more? And they're thinking, but you just got here. Like, I just need you to keep doing that job for a while. And mm. um, so I think that's where that's a short-term um, hiring approach that doesn't have a good long-term payoff, unless unless it is a company that is rapidly growing and there's like ridiculous amounts of opportunity for people to move into um, to new roles. But more often than not, we're, we're sort of hiring someone with the thought that they're going to be doing that job for a couple of years. And you want somebody who's going to grow into that job, not already be qualified to do it on day one. And I think it's that we're, what I see with a lot of, of hiring managers is that they, they don't think enough about the qualities that they want in a candidate. They're more focused on the skills, like the abilities uh, that they have 
acquired and gained, um, you know, the more hard skills instead of some of the soft skills and be able to see that, you know, in any business, things are changing quickly. Um, that job isn't going to be exactly the same anyway, probably in a year. And you want someone who is going to really be a fit, not just for that role, but really for the company, for the team, that they're bringing something that maybe might be filling some gaps that are there. And you want to be really paying attention to what kinds of talents. Um, these are things that just come naturally and easily to someone. It's not something you could teach them. You know, what kind of talents do you need? What is going to really add to the department, to the business? And, and then allowing room for the stretch into the skills and gaining the skills, experience, and knowledge. And that's why I think being 70% qualified is really kind of like the sweet spot. Because they do have enough experience and knowledge and skills that they're not coming in like clueless and I don't know how to do anything and you have to teach me from the ground up. Uh, they are coming in with some knowledge, but they, they aren't totally able to do everything that you hand them on day one. I haven't done anywhere as, as much hiring as you have done in your career, Kelly, but I've certainly seen this happen where you bring someone in who's a perfect candidate and then it just, you know, six months a year goes by and it just isn't... It just wasn't the best fit. It's interesting how we forget that as soon as we're hiring people, don't we? Yeah, I think it's a, maybe just a fear of, of taking the risk on somebody who um, may need some coaching and some training in the beginning to get up to speed. But I think it's also a little bit of a fear of like, what if someone doesn't work out? And I think mm. we put it, well, we place a lot of um, our decision making on do they have the skills and experience and knowledge? And we rely too heavily on it. Um, it isn't enough of a reason to hire somebody. You have to really get to know, like, what makes this person special? What is it that they're going to bring to the table that we don't have here or that we really need or could really complement what we're, what we're up to? And those usually aren't skills, experience, and, and knowledge. They're the things that this person just yeah, does brilliantly um, that no one could teach them. And the more someone can tap into those and use them on a regular basis and that they'll be valued and appreciated, uh, the more impact they can actually have and the more high performance they might experience. And that's ultimately what we're hiring for. We want a high performer. We want someone who's going to knock it out of the park and, and um, really uh, have a step up their game, right? And so by giving them that challenge, that stretch, it's almost like a guarantee that they're going to step up their game. And so I've thought about, you know, how do you, how do you really look for that potential and know that it could still be a, a perfect fit? You know, how do you know when to give someone an opportunity that they're not totally ready for? And I think it really is looking for that balance of skills and talent and also, like, why do they want the job? And so if I were a manager and I was thinking about hiring for my team, I would take a step back and, you know, once I've identified what are the skills that I would need, ideally, that's great, list those out on the job description. I would also start thinking about, you know, what are the talents that I also need now and into the future? Like looking at what do I already have on my team? What type of work are we doing? And where do we have some gaps? Like are there some things that, we um, could really use a talent that somebody has, whether it be, 
you know, someone who's really deliberative and can execute really well on a plan and get something to the finish line. Because what if I have a lot of like really creative strategic thinkers, but yet stuff's not getting done, right? Like we don't have somebody who can really come up with a plan and help execute on it. So mm, I might want to be looking for someone who's just a natural executor mm, or yeah. somebody who might take complex ideas and make them really simple because we've got you know, customers that don't understand our product. And like, maybe I need somebody who can really speak to our customers in a new way. So somebody who's got a natural ability in that. It could also be, we need someone who's got amazing relationship building skills. You know, there's, um, we need some more emotional intelligence on the team. Someone who can be the glue that holds this team together, who picks up on the nuances of the moods that people are having. You know, those are natural talents that some people have and others don't. It's not something you can really teach someone. So thinking about those gaps, um, I think is really important and being able to assess for that in an interview and um, be open to hearing about people's experiences in their past where they've brought that in. So it's like, what is learnable, um, a learnable skill that you could teach? And also, what do you need in terms of instinctive abilities? We've talked on the show about uh, my friend Bill Bliss was on a few, uh, oh gosh, I guess a couple months ago, and we talked about succession planning, Kelly. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, like how so many leaders really understand the importance of succession planning and have heard about it, but a lot of times don't do it. And it seems to me and and to some of the other folks I've worked with that a lot of times it's just, it requires a lot of work and thinking. And, and it's so easy just to kind of do the short-term thing versus doing the long-term approach. And you're, what you've said is reminding me my first job that I had where I was hiring people, I I. I learned pretty quickly. I was I was hiring high school and college age students for part time positions, and I figured out um, fairly quickly in the process that when I would hire people who didn't have a, as much experience, it would take more time on the front end to, to to train and to coach them. But I found out in the long run, a lot of times those were the people that were way more engaged with me because they sort of learned what you know we we built that great connection and and we did a lot of coaching together and long term those ended up being a lot of the better employees and I, it, it's it's kind of it's so in it's so um it, it's so attractive to hire the perfect fit person and to not have to do a quote unquote a lot of work but um a lot of times doing that work that good work to coach and develop someone and to help them to discover that other 20 to 30% in the long run really does help us out it does. It does. And I think you're pointing to something that's really important is that those people you were hiring, you know, didn't have all the skills and, and experience, but they were hungry. They were hungry to learn it. And so they really got engaged. And I think that that's what can happen is that if we either as an individual sort of think of, oh, I only have these skills and experience to offer. This is all I'll get hired for. We almost pigeonhole ourselves and are setting ourselves up for not being as engaged and, mm. and really stretching to our growing edge. And so it's the same way for a manager. If you're looking for that person who can already do the job, it's, it's not setting them up to really bring their best self. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I remember when I was managing at Google, I had a wide range of of experience levels on my team from, you know, a couple of years out of college to, 
you know, 10 plus years of experience. And I really, you know, was keenly focused on, okay, what is really amazing and genius about this person? And what's amazing and genius about that person? And, hmm, I've got this project that I want to put someone on that um, I don't have anyone who's qualified to do this project, but, you know, you know, Joe over here is really genius at that. So I'm going to put him on this project. It's going to really stretch him. He's never done it before, but he has what it takes to be amazing at it. Mm. He just hasn't done it on this scale before or in this way before. And I can be his net, you know, to help support him, but I know he's going to get there. And what I found when I pushed them before they were ready um, is that they stepped up in ways that even surprised themselves and me. Like they came up with stuff that I couldn't even have come up with. Like the creativity and the resourcefulness was shocking and really impressive. And they were so engaged and doing amazing work. And you know, that's, I think, kind of what we need to be thinking about as managers is um, pushing people to do things before they're ready, but knowing they have sort of the foundational abilities and talents to figure it out, that you're not setting them up for failure. You're actually setting them up for tremendous success. There's been a lot of books written, conversations, trainings over the years on how to hire and do it well in the interview process. And I know there's a lot of thinking on this. I I love the fact that you have so much practical experience doing this. Uh, What tips or suggestions do you have for us when we are approaching that interview? And maybe, you know, we are thinking about it through this, you know, 70% lens. Uh, What are some things we can do to really, um, to really find out who is going to be the best fit for us? Yeah, I think back on when I was um, interviewing and I got a bit of a reputation for being a really tough interviewer and being a little scary. And I learned over time that I, that that wasn't necessarily the best approach to being an interviewer. Mm. Um, And so it, it actually led me to realize that even just starting out the interview by putting that other person, putting the candidate at ease, um, and even letting them know that you're not looking for the perfect answers, that you just want to get to know them and what makes them tick, uh, I think, and that you want to get to know the real them, helps them relax a little bit. And it could even be a really interesting place to start the interview by showing a bit of vulnerability yourself, um, maybe even share like a struggle that you're encountering like with your group or your team um, that you could use help on, and maybe even ask them, like, you know, how would you help me with that? What are some ideas that you have? And get into a conversation more than it be like, tell me where you want to be in five years type of, you know, pointed question. And I think it's a way to open it up and um, have them really start to expose a little bit more of who they are and, and start to learn about some of the challenges that you are even facing that they might be involved in down the road. So that's one way I would consider, you know, kicking things off a little bit um, is, to make them open up, to allow them to open up. And then moving on from there, um, you know, around like maybe capitalizing on that, um, a challenge that you're facing and that you're dealing with right now, maybe have them go back and think about a time when they have faced a challenge that might have been similar. So you're getting them to talk about a past experience and how did they deal with it and get them sharing a story and their role in it and find out what impact that they actually have on the outcome. And also, you know, what ideas do they have for the, you know, the challenge that 
you're currently facing, um, this could be continuing on to the conversation that was before, um, but I think you start to see if there's really, you know, to Jonathan and Eric's point on that podcast, is there some passion there? Are they interested in these types of challenges? Are they really engaged? Do they kind of get more energetic about it? Or are they not too excited about that conversation? I think you'll learn a lot just in that. Yeah, I, um, I love that perspective. And um, I think we mentioned on the front end of the interview here, but uh, Kelly and I are talking about a show that uh, aired with uh, Eric Schmidt and Jonathan Rosenberg, uh, two of the senior, former senior leaders at Google. And, uh, you know, one of the things they talked about when they hired people is that they would often ask a person just about something that they either claim to be passionate about or, or, you know, was evident in their resume that they had some passion or interest in. And they just see like uh, how a person responded and could they talk about something and get excited about it? And could they talk forever about it? And that was one of the things that they, I think they both mentioned is, you know, there were a lot of things that they could teach people but that passion wasn't one of them that they had determined that that was the kind of thing that you know they could they could really look for in the interview process to figure out is that could someone get excited about something and get excited about having a conversation um and i thought that was a really interesting perspective and just a just a good piece of a good tip for any of us who interview people and what i would add on to that cuz yes i completely agree is that by asking talking about an actual challenge that you're facing or one that they've faced in the past you can start to get a sense of what they're actually passionate about what do they focus on when they tell that story you know what are the parts that you know they talk about having an impact on cuz that's usually the type of impact they care about and is that the kind of impact you need you know in in this role in this company in this group um, so you're really looking for what is it that's firing them up in particular because there's there's usually a lot of um, natural talents that are inherent in that and obviously a lot of interest. And you want people who are interested in what they're doing. That's oh, yeah. what passion is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Not just being passionate about it, just being passionate because I actually think everybody's passionate about something. It's zeroing in on what are they clearly passionate about and and how does that fit into your your team i like it i like it that's great well i know we've approached this conversation from looking at it from the okay how would we hire the best fit for us uh you know there's there's of course this reality for I think all of us at some point in our careers and i know certainly for some people who are part of our community right now kelly of saying okay well you know i, I want to hire the best fit but you know, maybe I'm that person. Maybe I'm the person who's at the point in my job or career where I'm just not feeling challenged or it's not the best fit for me. Um, what are the kinds of things that, you know, for those of us who are in that position right now, what should we be thinking about and what's the best way to maybe approach a new opportunity and thinking again through that 70% lens, but on the other side of seeking that new position? I think one of the, the first places to start to look is just at yourself and getting a better understanding of, of who you are, what you care about, and what it is that you bring to the table that is maybe unique um, and different than everybody else. And I think sometimes what happens in our career is that we tend to be more in the passenger seat and we're not really in the driver's seat driving where we want to go in our career. So for many of us, myself included, like opportunities uh, presented themselves and then, you know, your ego sometimes gets in the way and says like, oh, well, they want me for this. Maybe I should do it. And then off you go. And, and it kind of 
it's more about what opportunities have come your way. I've worked with so many people that have said, I haven't actually looked for a job in 15 years. It's because stuff just came to them and they took it. Mm. And we sometimes don't take a step back and really look at, well, what is it that I have to offer? What is it that I, what's the legacy that I want to leave behind to say like, I did that work and I'm really proud of it. And I made a difference in a way that matters to me. And I brought my, my best self to it. I think what happens is um, we can kind of uh, lose track of that or maybe not even stop and do the inventory. So doing that inventory of what are my superpowers? Like what do I do better than other people that is just easy for me? If there was one thing someone was going to do just on their own as a starting point to get thinking about this, what would be the one action you'd recommend people to take? Around the the superpowers and the talents, probably the easiest, fastest way to start getting a clue about these things would be to take the Strengths Finder 2.0 assessment. And a lot of people have taken it. Um, some people haven't. If you haven't taken it, I would highly recommend it. Um, and even if you have taken it, you know, this report brings back your top five talents out of these 34 that they have identified um, exist. And these really are the, the soft skills, these, these things that maybe the way you process things or um, see things or, you know, natural abilities. And what I would also recommend is not just reading the results and going, oh, yeah, that's me. That sounds like me. I, I do that that's what most people do. They read it and they, I think they are looking more for validation. Like, Oh, is this really true? Oh, it is. Okay, great. But I would take it one step deeper and really read through it and think about examples in your life where you've seen that come into play and it's had a positive impact. Like I think we can forget to see how it's a talent and just be like, Oh, that's just me. But it is a superpower. So to put it through that lens of like, how is this a superpower? Like when I bring this or in what situations when I bring this, does it actually shift things or move things or create something that wasn't there before that's really powerful? Um, so that would be one great way to get started. Well, that's great advice. And we've talked about StrengthsFinder before with Steve Dozier about a year and a half ago. So I'll put the links to that in the episode for those who want, uh, or in the show notes rather, for those who want to find out more about how to utilize strengths, strengths, <laughs> strengths finder, if I can talk right, and, um, and, and really tap into that as a resource because it is such a powerful resource. Hey, Kelly, uh, for those who want to connect with you, what's the best way for folks to find you online? They can jump on over to my website, which is kellystuder.com, and highly recommend you know signing up for my tips and advice. I send that out um, not too often, you know, but just often enough that it's um, really helpful. And there's lots of uh, blog articles I've written that might be worth checking out. So that's the best way to see what I'm up to and connect with me. Kelly, I am so grateful for your time and wisdom. I'm going to put all the links to everything you just mentioned on the show notes here. So I hope folks will check that out as well and also be putting a link to Kelly's article here, The 70% Principle for the Perfect Hiring Fit, which is a wonderful way to look at how to hire people and to really think about investing in their development. Kelly, thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful to get connected with you. Yeah, me too, Dave. Thank you so much.
I'm so grateful for Kelly's perspective on this today because it's so easy when we're in that hiring role to think about, okay, well, who's the perfect person? Who's absolutely the best qualified? And sometimes we forget that, you know, looking at things from the other person's perspective, that other side of the table that we've also almost all of us been on, which is, you know, we're maybe not perfectly qualified for the job, but we've got the passion, the energy, and the desire to learn. And that's worth so much. And I know a bunch of people, and I'm I'm sure that you do as well, know a friend or a family member or a colleague who was going for a position in an organization and someone else beat them out because they were slightly better qualified. But the person that you knew had that passion, that desire, that willingness to be engaged with that organization for the long run and then and ultimately would have been a better choice for that organization had they been willing to take that chance. And so I would really challenge all of us, in addition to the skills and experience, which of course are so central to hiring good people, is to consider the talents that your organization is going to need in the long run, the ability to pivot into new roles, into new opportunities, and the desire to learn and to stay with a job for a while. And then of course, are you willing to make the investment in that person? To help them to get from that 70% level to 90 or 100% eventually or even beyond. And boy, that is such wonderful work that you can do as a leader. In fact, probably the most important work is to invest in developing people. I know the people who've done that for me in my career are the people that I still keep in touch with. And the people that I've had the privilege to do some of that for in my career are the people that I've had some of the best leadership relationships with. And I know that there's it's it's hard. It takes time. It takes resources. And there's always that that thing in the back of our minds where we say, well, you know, if I invest a lot in this person and then they leave, you know, then what? Then I've lost that investment. And I, I've always th- thought of the old Zig Ziglar. I think it's from Zig Ziglar quote uh, whenever I've thought about that. Of I, I think it was him who said, the only thing worse than training someone and losing them is not training them and keeping them. I hope you'll join the conversation as well about this topic at coachingforleaders.com slash 167. That is the place to uh, leave your comment. Also, there is all the show notes and the links to the things we mentioned here in the show. As always, open to your comments, questions, and feedback for the future Q&A show coming up. The next one is episode 169, so it'll be in two weeks. The topic for that episode is on strategy. So if you have a comment or question about strategy or wondering about something or looking for a resource, it is the time of the year that a lot of people are starting to think about planning for the next fiscal year and putting together budgets. So it's a good time to think about strategy. So I would encourage you to get your question in now, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback, if that is on the top of mind for you. And as always, a huge thank you to those of you in the last week who have subscribed to the weekly update. If you are recently listening to the show, and uh, by the way, thank you if you are, I hope you'll jump in to the weekly updates. You'll get the podcast show notes in your inbox every Wednesday from the show that airs Monday. I also write an article every week that'll be helpful to you in your growth as a leader. So thank you to Henry Thornhill, Steve Warner, Ray Torres, 
Heidi Schwartz, Shalise Molly, Jane Kerrigan, Paula Cavellio, uh, Cavellio, uh, sorry, Paula, if I uh, butchered that a little bit, uh, Jeanette Cummings, Jacqueline Spalink, Luis Fernando Viana, Brian Hilsinger, Jose Salazar, Dwayne Garrett, Allison Say, Ethan Gilliam, Jose Manuel Alvarez, Chris Lotridge, Joe Thornton, Belinda Edge, Roxanne Flick, Donna Schilder, hey Donna, Alex Ivanoff, and Jeff Roberts. Uh, thank you for all of you who subscribed to the weekly update this past week. And if you'd like to get that as well, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And in addition to each Wednesday, receiving that email with those two resources, you'll also get instant access to the guide that I've prepared on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including two of them that I rely on weekly. And so again, you can get access to that immediately at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. It's a, uh, it's a great resource for starting your reading. And I've had so many people have reached out to me over the last couple of years who have really taken that list to heart and have used it as part of their professional development. So I hope you'll do that as well. Hey, thanks to all of you who are listening in on the Carnegie Coach Show. And if you haven't already checked it out, it's airing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Just a short show, five to 10 minutes. Check it out at CarnegieCoach.com. I'm also hosting that show too. Hey, have a great week and I look forward to talking with you next Monday. Take care.